0: Welcome friends, you are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's word with you today. Thanks for joining us. I just want you to know that there is absolutely no place I would rather be than right here, right now, with you. What I like to do uh, actually every October is I like to try to think of something uh, spooky to preach about. Or, Or maybe I could say it like this I like to address the darkness with some light. How appropriate was that? So, October can be a dark month, if you think about it. The days are getting shorter, they're getting cooler. Hopefully, the outdoor decorations turn black and orange and purple, which are darker colors. Traditionally, culturally, we celebrate a holiday some consider to be a dark one. Now, I just want you to know, personally, Halloween doesn't bother me. I just see it as another opportunity to redeem what's happening in our culture, to be good neighbors, and think about it like this. How many opportunities do we get just to go out and meet our neighbors and give chocolate to kids? I love that our church does an annual trunk or treat, which we are planning on doing this year. We, um, we dress up. We have fun. We delightfully welcome around 1,000 people onto our campus, and we get this great opportunity to be a bright light in our community, and in this season, every year, I like to address, as I said, topics that may sound spooky, but give us the opportunity to bring light into darkness. For instance, one year, I preached a sermon series that was actually written by Craig Rochelle. We called it Vanquishing Vampires. How to handle the people who suck the life out of you. That was a good series, and maybe we'll do it next year. But this year, in light of the fact that we were ravaged by Hurricane Ian, we're going to do a short series, we're going to call it Rapid Response, and I think it's an appropriate topic for the season we're in. What is our rapid response to trying times? And not just talking about the hurricane season, but all the other stuff too, the election season, everything that's happening. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at three specific texts in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you don't know, the Sermon on the Mount is the sermon of Jesus. The sermon containing the keys to the ways of Jesus. For instance, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God." Now, how many of you think we need more peacemakers in our society now than ever? In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 verse 39, Jesus said, "If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also." Don't you feel like we need that now? more than ever. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 and 44 Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And speaking of enemies, A few days after the hurricane, Janice and I, we we were with some friends, we were driving around Fort Myers, we were surveying the damage when apparently, I didn't spend enough time waiting in an intersection where a stoplight was down, apparently. And so this lady, she starts honking at me and I think she was telling me what an amazing driver I am. I'm not sure, I just, honestly, I just ignored her and I kept driving until the next intersection. And there she is right beside me again, honking her horn, yelling through her windows as if I can hear her, probably complimenting my driving skills. So I ignored her until we were approaching yet another intersection. And I think she thought she must not have gotten the point across, because this time her windows are down, and she's screaming like a banshee, and she's using more F-words than I used in my sermon during last week's outdoor service. And for those of you who weren't here, we talked about... Four things God uses to calm the storms in our life faith, family, friends, and FCC. And so, anyway, this lady's using more F words than I used in my sermon last week, and, and her rapid response was a rabid response. But it honestly makes sense, it really does with all the anxiety after Ian. And all the the stress in our society in general, whether it's social or political or religious or natural disasters or whatever. And so I just wonder this morning, as we kick off this new series, how many of your rapid responses are rabid responses? And by a show of hands, if you're willing to be honest, how many of you have found yourself, at least in the last 10 days, really struggling with anger? Now, I know I have some blind spots, but anger isn't something I generally struggle with. I mean, I get, I get irritated, and I get frustrated, and sometimes I get a little snippy and sarcastic, especially with my kids, but, but I don't struggle with anger. I do, however, struggle with self-delusion, Of course I get angry. If, for those of you who don't know, that was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I, I rarely feel rage, and I, and, I, and I don't fly off the handle a lot, and there's not really any violence in me, but of course I do get angry. And so let me just for a moment share the story of, of the angriest I think I have been in my entire adult life. And I've heard about people who get so angry, they see red. And, and I have never seen red, but the sensation I felt that day, I would describe it as heat. Like it was so hot, it literally felt like the skin was melting off of my face. And I am, I'm not a fighter, but I think that day, if there was a ring, I would have jumped in it. And it was, it was a Monday morning, and our church staff in Illinois, we were at Midway Airport, and we were flying to the Exponential Conference in Orlando, Florida, and, a, and our staff was standing in line at curbside check-in, which is kind of like a fast pass to getting your baggage checked and getting your boarding tickets and getting through security. It's basically the, the fastest way through outside of TSA pre-check. And there were eight or 10 of us, including our children's minister at the time, who's black, and I exaggerate not, as our group approached the check-in agent, the agent pointed at him and said, this line is not for his kind. Now, this is Midway Airport. This is Chicago, Illinois. This is the Southwest Airlines Terminal. This is Broad Daylight And the man checking baggage and printing tickets with no shame at all, no reservation, says this line is not for him. Now, at that point in my life, I had never heard such blatant racism. So open, so obvious, so unashamed, so unrestricted. And I felt an anger I don't ever remember feeling before or since. It was rage, it felt like the skin was melting off of my face and my Enneagram eight came out. And if you don't know what that is, just think Justice Warrior. Like I wanted to fight. I immediately got loud. When I heard this man say this, I said, um, excuse me, what was that? You wanna repeat that? While my coworker whispered, hey Matt, it's not worth it. And I'm like, I, not worth it? Are you kidding me? And I literally start walking toward the curbside attendant, all five foot five inches of me, and I'm like, oh, he's with us, which was a really stupid thing to say, as if that's what validated his human dignity. And then my coworker grabbed my arm and he said something along the lines of, I know this may be a new experience for you, but it's not new for me. It's something I have to deal with pretty regularly. And oh, by the way, your response is not our way. Now, I didn't like that answer. So then he got real direct. He said, look, you're gonna get in a fight and you're probably gonna get beat up. (laughs) And you're probably gonna get arrested and we're all gonna miss our flights and it's not worth it. That's not our way. And I'll just be honest and say, I don't always know the best way. I mean, with situations like that, just being transparent here, I actually hardly ever know the best way. I mean, mean, there certainly is a better way and a calling and a holiness and a godliness in confronting injustice, but my anger expressed by me getting big and getting loud and posturing like I wanted to fight, that is not the way. So what is the way? Well instead of a big idea for today, I want to ask a big question for today. And and here it is. What is the way of Jesus when it comes to anger? What is the way of Jesus when it comes to anger? How many of you think that's an important question for us today? I mean, I think we all know that it is, and I think that's so very important because our society is so full of anger and, and full of angry people. We have angry politicians and angry citizens, angry conservatives and angry progressives. they are angry Christians. they are angry everything else. There's angry athletes and angry celebrities, angry parents and angry students, angry social media personalities. Any angry victims of hurricanes? I mean, everybody's angry. Two years ago, and that was an angry time. I remember there were people who were angry with me for shutting down our live worship services to protect them from COVID. And then there were people who were angry with me for reopening them to protect their mental and spiritual health. And then there was a civil rights movement during that time, and we experienced that. And there were people angry with me for speaking out too much against racism. And there were people who were angry with me for not speaking out enough against racism. There was so much anger. And it's almost like anger has become our default emotion as Americans. But here's the thing we're not Americans first. Listen up, church. We're not Americans first. We are Christians first. Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 26. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison and truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So here's what we wanna do today. We wanna rightly divide these scriptures. We wanna ask some questions. We wanna wanna discover what if you're angry and what if you attack in your anger and what if you have no desire to find agreement with others? Those are the questions we wanna to answer today. So here's the first question, number one, what if you're angry? In Matthew 5, 21, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. Now that is the ancient biblical law of the first century Jews that were trying to follow. Thou shalt not kill, right? But let's be honest, that's not a super high bar. And according to sociologists and criminologists, about 20,000 people in the United States commit murder every year. Now, that's a lot, but it's just a fraction of the 330 million Americans. Honestly, do not murder is not a very high bar. And so it was easy for the followers of Jesus to say, well, I've never murdered anyone before, so I'm good. But Jesus raises the bar. Is it something he does throughout the Sermon on the Mount? He, he's showing the heart of the sixth of the 10 commandments. Thou shalt not kill. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister shall be subject to judgment. And so it's not just murderers who've broken God's laws, but anyone who is angry with a brother or sister. And that's, that bar, it's quite a bit higher And so we wanna mention a couple of things here. First of all, this is not about hate. This is not about being angry with an enemy. We'll talk about that next week. Pastor Gary will preach on that. This is talking about being angry with your brother or sister. Second thing is, this is not talking about your biological brother or sister, although that would certainly apply as well. But this very particularly is talking about fellow believers, And so Jesus says, if you are angry with your fellow believers, then you've broken God's laws. But that begs another question, and the question is, is it always wrong to be angry? The answer is no, of course not. In fact, sometimes it would be wrong to not be angry. How do I know? Well, because the Bible tells me so. In Ephesians 4.26, the Apostle Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Which means there is a sinful kind of anger, but then there's also a righteous kind of anger. And oh, by the way, the word righteous means justice. And so there is a justice-based anger that's okay. Okay. So let's think this through. When my African-American co-worker, my fellow minister of the gospel, my dear brother and friend was demeaned based on the color of his skin, was it okay for me to get angry? I mean, what if I didn't get angry? Would it have been loving of me to hear his humanity disparaged, to hear his ethnic heritage insulted and not get angry? What if I had no emotional response? Would that have been... I mean, the thing is, if you love well and if you love deeply and if you love people, you're gonna get angry. Injustice will always make you angry. Mistreatment of your loved ones will always make you angry. Jesus is not prohibiting all forms of anger, but Jesus is prohibiting sinful anger. His words are not prohibiting anger as an emotion, but anger as an action. If in your anger you attack the object of your anger, then your anger response is what's sinful, not the anger itself. Anger is not sinful, but anger that leads to aggression is. It's like this. You cannot always control your emotions, how you feel, but you always can control your actions, what you do with those feelings. And so spiritually mature people, emotionally mature people, they can feel their anger and respond appropriately, like Jesus. That's something Jesus could do. He could be angry without attacking. Isaiah 53, verse seven said this about Jesus. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Christ Followers, spiritually mature, emotionally mature, Christ followers, they can feel their anger, they can feel their pain, and they can still respond in a God-honoring, Christ-following way rather than aggressively attacking in their anger. So what if you're angry? The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. What if you attack in your anger? If you're taking notes, that's question number two. What if you attack? I mean, we've already discovered that it's wrong to kill in anger. Violence in anger, that's wrong. It's wrong to murder, not a very high bar. Most of us will live our lives without ever murdering someone in anger. Most of us. That's a low bar. So, what is the bar? What bar did Jesus raise for his people? It wasn't just that we wouldn't attack physically, but this is where it gets hard we wouldn't attack verbally. Jesus tells us to not attack verbally, and that's a much higher standard. Verse 22, he says, anyone who says to a brother or sister, this is an insult, raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger the fires of hell. And so according to Old Testament law, a physical attack would be sinful. According to Jesus, a verbal attack would be sinful as well. And by the way, do you know what it means to be sinful? Like it's a word we throw around all the time. You know what that means? Essentially, it means you're a lawbreaker. We we attach all kinds of religious baggage and terminology and ideas to the word sinful, but in its most basic form, sinful means lawbreaker. A better translation of sinful in our society today would probably be criminal. And so let me say it like this. It is a spiritual crime for a Christ follower to attack someone else, either physically or verbally, and it is especially a spiritual crime to attack a fellow believer course, then you might ask, well, what if they're not a believer? Is it okay then? What if they're an enemy? What if they're an adversary? What about the lady who is cursing me at the intersection? A few weeks ago, another friend sent me a text about a verse in the Bible that says, you can't love God and hate your fellow believers. And he wondered why it only mentioned believers. Like, what about all the people who don't believe in Jesus? And, And I said, well, yes, that particular verse is telling you not to hate your fellow believers, but there are plenty of other Verses that prohibit hate and anger toward non believers, even toward enemies and adversaries. And again, we'll talk about that next weekend. But what I really want you to take to heart this weekend and consider what it means in your life today it is a spiritual crime for us, for Christ followers, to physically or verbally attack each other when we get angry. So, what if you're angry? In your anger, do not sin. And what if, to avoid that spiritual crime, you choose to not attack the object of your anger? What comes next? Can can we just leave it at that? You know, I'm angry, but I'm not going to attack, but also, I'm never talking to you again. I'll just ignore you. Is that what Jesus would have us do? Well, the answer, of course, is no. Jesus was all about reconciliation and redemption and restoration. As Christ followers, we go beyond not attacking into something much more difficult. We do what Jesus called us to do, and that is find common ground, find agreement. And so that's question number three, what if you find agreement? You know, and I think in our cancel culture that we live in today, we completely lack the emotional and relational tools necessary to be reconciled to those we're angry with or those we disagree with. I mean, maybe you've noticed. Like we live in echo chambers and we create safe spaces and we block anyone who disagrees with us and we assume we're always right and everybody else is always wrong and we equate our own personal values with God's moral absolutes and we cut ourselves off for anyone who doesn't agree with us. And I just wanna say to you, church, today, this is a significant social problem, perhaps one of the very biggest in society today. And maybe the problem is further amplified by our ability on social media to block or unfriend or hide anyone we disagree with. But the godly alternative to blocking, unfriending, hiding someone when you're angry with them is to find common ground with them, to find something you agree on, and to focus on where you agree rather than where you disagree. That's what Jesus is getting at in verses 23 through 25. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Now, Real practically, here's what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus is trying to get us, his people, his followers, to humble ourselves and just for a moment consider that we might be wrong. Have you ever considered that? Like your perspective might not be accurate, your tone might not be Christ like, might actually be you who's in the wrong. Jesus clearly wants us to leave room for the possibility that we might be in the wrong. You say, well, how do we know? How do we know if we're the ones who are in the wrong? Well, the, the only way to find out is to listen to and learn from people with different perspectives than us. And that takes humility and an open mind. So Christ followers, what if you're angry? If you're angry, that's okay. In fact, I think there's a lot of reasons to be angry right now. If you're angry, that's okay, so long as your anger doesn't lead you to aggression. But what if you find agreement? if you find agreement then you become a peacemaker and in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 one of the very first verses in the Sermon on the Mount we read it a few moments ago Matthew 5 9 Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God so here's the way of Jesus when it comes to anger number one we don't attack when we're angry instead number two we look for opportunities to make peace and number three we open ourselves to the possibility that we might be wrong And here's our takeaway for today. Let your anger lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We are believers in Jesus, and sincere belief should compel us to action. As believers of Jesus, we wanna be disciples of Jesus, and that means we're willing to learn from him and mold our lives, our words, our actions, our attitudes, yes, even our outcomes. We mold our lives around he and his teachings. And his teachings make it clear how we should handle our anger. And so this week, in those moments, and they will come, when you're feeling rage on the rise, when those negative emotions move from a simmer to a boil, when you want to react aggressively, here's your rapid response. Am I following Jesus in this moment? Let's pray. God, help us to follow Jesus in every moment, especially in our moments of anger. Help us that that in our anger, we do not sin. Help us that, that in our anger, we'd seek agreement. Help us that in our anger, we'd humble ourselves and consider that we could be wrong. May that be our rapid response. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at fccfm.org.